You are listening to Geekish Cast, an Astro Panda Production Network's podcast. Cast episode 159 Klingons and Larry and Rico. Oh my, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Welcome to Geekish Cast. This is your host, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening, thank you for tuning in. If you're coming back to us again, I always appreciate you coming back. So, Star Trek Discovery premiered a few days ago, and upon that piece of news, I had to talk to Larry Nemechek and Rico Anderson. So now let's go to the man who has forgotten more about Star Trek than you'll ever know, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. What's happening, Larry? Uh, Well, I I just know where to go look it up or who to ask. That's my secret. It's the the, the magic of show business (laughs) right there. And uh, a man whose smile is so bright his mama always calls him son, Rico E. Anderson. What's happening, Rico? I like what you did there, son. Uh huh. It's a little punny. It's a little punny. That's what I went for. I like it. Not 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 too cheesy, but nope. not, you know, just just punny enough. It's, it's great to be here, Jeremy. Well, thank you, thank you guys for joining me, and uh, thank you for all sticking through our technical difficulties there at the beginning. Um, real quick, I just want to say that Rico, you may have to beat up my regular co-host for my live episodes. They did not care for the TV show Orville, which I love. Oh. Uh, and, and I happened to notice that a certain friend of mine who's an actor who might be on this episode right now was on the Orville this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's funny because the, the it's still a little confusing because the I was technically supposed to be on the fourth episode. And um, I actually saw Seth MacFarlane at an event um, about a week and a half ago. And he told me, along with Brandon Braga, yes, I know it sounds like I'm name dropping here. Mm-hmm. It but, does. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I was. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I was able to get into the green room and kind of hang out with the cast, which is which was really cool, and you know, just kind of catch up with it with everybody. And, and they happened to mention that um, the fourth episode was going to become the third episode. And basically, the way they described it was, it was supposed to they were moving they were moving them up, they were moving them up an episode or something like that because they wanted to put the best foot forward and I guess they shot it in a way where they could have done that. But it's showing also on my IMDB that I'm going to be on this week as well. So honestly, so with all that said, I was on last Thursday, but it's also saying I'm going to be on again this Thursday on another episode. So basically I don't know what the hell's going on. (laughs) I like how you describe it though. Why, thank you. They, yeah. they pretty well, much- this is how we know it's a vital series, because the people involved with it don't know what's going on. Yeah. So that's- <laughs> I don't think anyone ever really truly knows what's going on with any series. But um, well, The only time everybody knows what's going on is when it's on the bubble and then dies. So short of that, it's all good. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's actually that's a good point right there. Yeah. Right. That's when they get all their crap together. But that's I'm sorry to hear that that, that they don't care for the Orville. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun and it's a it's a 
you know, it's a it's a great ride. It's a funny ride. It's yeah. a it's a space ride. It's all these different type of rides coming from the crazy mind of Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, well, my wife is actually getting ready to write an article titled "Why the Orville is Brilliant and You All You All Are Wrong." So, well, I'll let everybody <laughs> know when that comes out. But um, so guys, let's uh let's dive right in here. So for the first time in in Larry, you're the archivist here. Sixteen years, we have a new Star Trek series. Yes. Well, fifteen years. Fifteen. Since two thousand five. Mm. I mean, tw- I'm sorry, 12 years, 12 years, 12 years. Well, that's when it ended. Right. This is our first premiere since 2001. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, first premiere. It was kind of sad not to have a premiere on the lot, but hey, I'll take it. Well, yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> yeah, everything's a very different thing now. Um, yeah, it's a new world. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead. I'm going to start kind of from the top of this. What did you guys think? And I want to go to this because of Enterprise. What did you guys think about the theme song and the opening graphics? And Larry, I'll let you start. I, I thought it was it was a fresh take. The that's kind of a the whole uh, art scrolly you know parchmenty whatever is a nice take. They stayed no lyrics. It was back to orchestral music. So mm-hmm. I think most of the the known universe ought to be happy with that. And the, the the music was leaked about a week or two ago or 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 put out early and it's there. He even has he has so many throwbacks to TOS and there, to me there's even a a Voyager vibe and some of the brass and all that and and a little cello going on and and little uh, Giacchino um, some of those I called it the working sound but it sounds like gears and pistons going when they have the cellos or oh whatever. yeah okay um, so it's it was, seemed like a really good a really good theme and I, I don't know I, I saw some people didn't like the title just random people posting but I, I didn't see what there was to not like about it I thought it was a, a good kind of from scratch mood yeah, my, my great-grandmother from Tennessee used to have a saying, and that was, those people would bitch if you hang them from a new tree. So I think those might be those people you were writing that. Rico, what did you think of that opening? I, I really enjoyed it. I You know, look, I, I felt like the um, the whole blueprint-type scenario or blueprint-type of um, thing that was happening with the opening was... It, it was it was great. It, I, I didn't see that coming. Um, I believe we all kind of expected the the semi same type of opening mm-hmm. that we've seen ever since the original series, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I it, it was a fresh it was it was a fresh idea that I think worked really well. I liked this the simplicity of it. I liked the 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 nods to what we knew in relation to the original series in terms of uh, the phasers, the the communicators, and it, it just I it, it had a very vintage look to it, which mm-hmm. uh, you know it again it, it 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 nods to the fact that we are going ten years before the vintage series of the original series. So I it, and and of course with the music and the 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 nice little tease with the dun dun and then they kind of switch off into something different. You know, you're going from the familiar familiarity of the beginning to its own music, and then of course we have the da 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 towards the end, and mm-hmm. it's just, it was nice. It was really really nice. I I I enjoyed it. I liked it. I yeah. liked it. I I really liked it quite a bit. I did get a little teared up when those the elite motifs from the original series were played in the opening. And then, like you're saying, towards the end, yeah, I was just happy to have Star Trek back. I guess is what I was trying to say. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, look, it, there's a new Trek on TV, and come on. Come yeah. on. I was pretty sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's if, it, if it's done right, it's no better time. It's like way overdue, or like, you know, what the world I said something that what the world needs now is Trek Sweet Trek. But it's like <laughs> if there was ever a time to have Star Trek back in people's consciousness, it's right now. So. Yeah. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. So let me ask you guys about this because I expect this to pop, well, probably not with this crowd, but in the larger Star Trek crowd, the Klingons in this series. I really liked them. I thought they were very alien, yet they were recognizably Klingon without being the same old, same old. What did you guys think? And pop off in whatever order you like. I I loved it. I, you know, I, I think I'm going to be just this big bag of love for this series and with, with pretty much... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I, I, I honestly loved it. Here's my feeling about the Klingons. I've always... I, I've always had a personal love for the Klingons ever since I can remember, you know, watching and loving the show. Um, and and I feel like the Klingons, I feel, I've always felt like we've yet to truly fully understand what the Klingons um, are all about and their history and, their, and the culture and stuff like that. Obviously, we know the things that we know based on the stories that we've seen and, and especially when there were certain episodes that really focused on them and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but this was a wonderful addition to that in terms of getting to know, getting more of an idea of how their culture was, how their, I guess, religion, if you would, if you will, was how, what, what they believe, especially when the things that we know in relation to, um, how they're very serious about honor and 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 the things that um, they they hold true to the, to themselves. I I had no problems with the with the the different looks. I always say this. I always say, look, you know, Kronos is a planet just like any other planet, and just like on the planet Earth, I don't look like Larry. Larry, you don't look like Jeremy, and we none of us look like. George Decay. So it's like, and we all come from various parts of the world. So why can't Klingons look any different? Now, maybe there's another reason why they look different in that respect, but I look at it like this is another form of Klingon that maybe we've never seen, and now we're being introduced to it. I loved it. And, and just in final, in, in, in a final uh, thing, I love the fact that they spoke, the majority of what they spoke in was was in their language. I, I thought that was a beautiful thing, and it really captured my attention and made me really more engaged, even more than I probably ever have been, just because you're seeing a side that we've really never truly seen a whole lot of before. Long-form answer there. <laughs> That's quite all right. Larry, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's... We may get into this, but there's little pieces of uh, like I divide canon between concept canon and visual canon and I mm-hmm. thought the concept canon here from Brian in and out on down has been spot on and the visual canon I know it's such a temptation when you let loose a whole crew of especially new to Trek designers they want to show off their stuff and not feel like they're being held captive to you know they're being derivative or whatever and, and even though there's all these ways to play that and how you spin that and I know that there's pieces here that I kind of go eh, to for it to be 10 years before Kirk's time, supposedly. But I 
keep having people tell me, reassure me on the side that there's, there's going to be a lot of, of change and evolution toward more toward Kirk's time and that the old, you know, riddle, the conundrum of how do you have it look modern for a modern audience, uh, but, but honor what was built in the 60s or even the 80s, right? Right. That that'll get there. But having said that, the thing that I didn't have a problem with was the Klingons because it's, it's what Rico was saying, but also – you know, when, when they debuted, not in Next Generation, but when the move, when the motion picture showed, you know, the spiky, the, that's the spine, it comes up the back of the neck and is the forehead ridges. We always talk about the ridges. That's their spine coming up. And it, it comes out in different ways. We saw diversity in the movies, but on the reality side, that was what they could do. Even on a movie budget, what the technology in the movie, the, the budget could do for, and even pre-CGI could do in the 80s, right? right. But even then... Freddie Phillips would have died to have had what they had when they did Spock and another Vulcan and then a couple of Tellarites and an Andorian in Journey to Babel. That about blew their makeup for the whole year, I bet. Oh, yeah. You know, and to do that in the movies and then and then what Michael Westmore stepped it up through all the modern series. So and then the J.J. Klingons, people wet their pants over those. But it's like, guys, I mean, I'm ready for like Rico said. I'm ready for some species diversity. I think it it fleshes it out, and I was speculating that for a year, and then here the last month or two, that's exactly what they've said. They they're not all from Kronos. They or they were from Kronos and 500 years ago. They spread out. They've evolved. Some of them have, and I think we got promised to maybe see some, see some. Uh, you know, the biggest thing to me is not even about the structures, like the ones that are bald or not bald. Well, that's. That could be all manner of things. They could be shaving themselves on purpose. They could have some out. It could still be an augment virus thing affecting. Oh, it could be, it and, could be and a they were fashion about thing having too. Some, they were even talking about having some kind of, you know, six million dollar man cryo uh, cyborgy stuff happening with their scalp and their ridges that that Mary and, and Ken Marshall were talking about at Vegas. So the Klingons and then the you know that and that these were some ancient sects or these are some sects and houses that are more isolated. And the fact that the Klingon, the backstory here that, that can fit in canon because it's not it's not disputed anywhere. They've been kind of broken down and separated, and he's trying to unite them. And so between Archer and Kirk's time, they were kind of out there wandering in the wilderness and not really united. That that all fits. So I'm I, I, I'm glad to see this. I'm 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 kind of I mean, people said for years, quit trying to find a reason for the smooth heads and the and the bumpy heads, right? It took 25 years, but they finally came up with a canon reason for that. So. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the Klingon. I think it's great. I think it's great texture. I I love the look. They looked like a more alien race, which I thought was great. Which they also did in the JJ verse. I like that look as well. I did like them going with non-human skin coloration because there are guys that are charcoal gray to black, mm-hmm. albino, and then everything in between. Also, the one thing, and it was a throwaway line that I loved. And you could tell this was the Nicholas Meyer influence, I'm assuming. Actually, two things. When uh, Burnham says to the captain, she says, I saw a Klingon warrior cast, which has only been brought up one other time, as far as I know. And I think he bled pink, too, the Klingon when she killed him, didn't? Isn't Did I say yes. that right? Yeah. Yes. I, ooh, that was a, ooh, that was, I, I was wondering. I was wondering if we are going to see something like that, because... That was always a weird thing, even to this day. It's like Klingons have pink blood, big bad Klingons, and yeah, it was subtle. Yeah, but I'm sorry, sorry. I interrupted yeah. you. Yeah, that 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 was. I love that. I love it. Yeah. Well, pick. I, and I didn't mention this, but piggyback what Rico said about language. 
what was cool was just, and I had heard that they've hired, um, and I've gone blank on her name, Robin Stewart, I think, had hired one of the major Klingon language speakers to coach them. They've had a linguist coach, and a, and they were talking about all this through through Vegas, and they're active online and proud of what they've done. But what was really cool was they didn't speak it completely all the way through. They did know English, or they had translators, one of the two, but they had the knowledge. They weren't country bumpkin isolated yahoos out there. Mm-hmm. They had, you know what I'm saying, though? They had the technology to talk to the Federation Standard English people when they needed to. But then, so A, they're that far along. They're not idiots. Uh, and then B, they did it with such direct, it was like the whole time they were like, yes, I'm condescending to talk to you in your inferior language. It was such a, yeah. there was like a subtext in it. It was great also. Yeah. That I pulled up. That I think it And it was very Klingon, you know? It was, it's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, because they can be conceited little bastards sometimes, too. But, uh, you know. <laughs> but they were overall more alien and got back to them being, which they would have been. They had a, you know, even by Next Gen's time, they'd been, whether they'd been bumping heads or not, they were at least familiar with each other. Right. At Kirk's time and all that. So this is, if they've really been kind of isolated, it is more like, hello, Japan, we're going to open, Matthew Perry, we're going to open you up to the West. I mean, it is, you know, whether you want to be or not. And and nobody's that familiar with each other. So the fact that they were kind of this way because they'd had the contact from a hundred years before with Archer um, was, was, was good to see. They weren't idiots that had forgotten what was written down a hundred years ago. The collecting of the bodies and mounting the bodies in the sarcophagus to the ship mm-hmm. and then having a bomb mounted to a body. I wonder if that's why Klingons don't collect their dead in the future. <laughs> oh, this, this totally <laughs> blew up there, so to speak. There. Uh-huh. Yeah. Don't I, collect dead; it could blow up on you. Exactly, like uh, a very literal way of looking at that. Well, Jeremy, I, I just wanted to say something also in relation to the bodies, and this, this is this is nitpicky Rico here, because because uh, I'm usually not the nitpicky oh, no. type, like a lot of people. I know a it, Trek this, fan picking nits. Yeah, this <laughs> this is a rarity on, on with Rico Anderson. Um, you know, it's funny because so all right, so when when they're gone. The they the the coffin goes to the outer portion and I guess the whole ship is for the most part lined with them, if 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 I if I caught that correctly. But one thing that made me think was, okay, so if that's the case, unless if, and and it's assuming that the ships are, let's just say ninety five percent of the time they're in space. Why is it that it was mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, by Saru that some of the bodies have been there for a thousand years. Some of the bodies have uh, decomposed. Some of the bodies are fine, but they're in the they're in the vacuum of space and the coldness of space. So in essence, wouldn't they have been like for the most part preserved if that's the case? And 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 if that's the case, then there wouldn't be any like decomposed bodies, even if it was like a thousand years ago. If I remember right, Enrico, I'm having to dig around in my brain here, so I may not. I think they said the ship was 200 years old, but some of the bodies were a thousand. So I uh, think there may have been various stages of whatever. You know, somebody could have died on the on the bridge of the ship and been left there for four days. You, you I don't know the specifics. Well, or there could be there could have been failures in the seals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I know. I hear what you're saying, though. It's the kind of thing that is eventually the spotlight's going to shine on it. But yep. one one thing that was cool was at one point they were he's he's talking about you know if we all die and he does mention to the black fleet. Yes. And that was very obscure. There there's a 
you know that that Klingon an- Warriors anthem that Hillary Bader wrote, and they used it in DS9. And I think it got reused uh, once or twice. The 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 last core show when core finally dies goes out glorious. Um, there's mention that's like there's no. It was in that show. It's in that anthem, and that I think that was used in games too. But there's a reference to the Black Fleet, like when you're when Klingon warriors are dead. It's like the black. It's like the ride of the Valkyries, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I just thought that was an obscure thing. They so you know whether that was back from Brian's original start or any of the writers who picked up on it and went on. Um, there's all kinds of bits and pieces from like obscure canon sources that they pulled from, and that was just a Klingon right. thing. And if you start looking at the documentaries, you look at the pictures that when they, those things were out on display, all those pieces at San Diego and Vegas and Toronto, I think. There's just layer upon layer upon layer. It's just insane how much they put into the physical costumes and props. Oh, there's a ton of detail, and it it shows on the screen, too. Oh, Larry, I remember what I was going to ask. It's an HD world now, so they're kind of... Up to it. You know? Well, what I was what I was going to ask first off, you guys notice that they do name drop the House of Core in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, other- also, well, that's the one that jumped out at me. There was a script, and uh, James Cauley's guys made it into an episode of uh, the New Voyages. But what was the Klingon name for their emperor in the script that was written for Star Trek Phase Two that was made into an episode of uh, New Voyages? Anybody remember? Not right off. Instead of making this all about Klingons, I want to talk a little technology as well. And this is where we might get into some uh, cannon shots being fired across the bow, I believe would be the proper way to state it. Um, What did you guys think of the Federation ships? Very detailed and textured to be pre-Enterprise, to be pre-Kirk. Is that what you're getting at? or uh, uh, No, no, no. I actually wasn't heading anywhere specific. Just okay. How do you feel about them in their place in history between Enterprise and the Franklin from uh, Star Trek Beyond and Star Trek, the original series? I know they're a little on the techier side. So I saw John Eves last weekend at, at uh, Salt Lake Comic Con, and he mm-hmm. said there, there was a demand and a need for a lot of different kinds of ships. Um, not all of them were going to be like featured hero ships. And, and basically kind of the sanity thing they went with that the art department subscribed to, and I think it kind of bled over a little bit to the writers too, was that it was the time when they're putting out a lot of experimental models and test bed things, a lot like compared to the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force in the 50s and 60s, that there was a lot of experimenting and one in, like maybe one and two, they didn't have big production lines going, uh, looking for the next thing, and maybe not all of them would be made into class ships that would have several you know, made. And so that there might be a big diversity of designs and technologies and things that were being experimental and trying to push. But I, I was I was okay with that. I mean, I might have liked them to be a little cleaner looking, but if you go with that, and, and you couldn't really see everything going on there, so in close-up detail. That and the consoles both being so sleek was that they were so powerful that everything was on the inside, not on the outside. Um, so, you know, I just kind of keep that keep that mantra in my head as I, as I as I see that. Okay, so, but fancy footwork aside, you were pretty okay with the way they looked then. I was fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I can't do anything about it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I'm, I'm kind of curious, because I was hoping to see things that looked more like the Enterprise, you know, because yeah. at this point, Captain Pike should be out there cruising around somewhere, right? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Or with Robert April, whoever it is, one of them should that's have Shenzhou. the... Well, the Shenzhou is supposed to be, what, 20, 30 years old at least or something, yep. so it can be a little kludgier to me. And that weird that weird designed uh, 
out of date transporter. Which was people lost their their cookies over that, and then they said, no, no, no. Then the Discovery's transporter looks like what we expect. Like that was a diversion, a diversion of of, of a ta- of a technology experiment that that never uh, never bore fruit, and they came back to the vertical. Yeah, it's the. They even had a name, didn't they? Call it horizontal versus vertical beaming. They even yeah. refer they referenced it. Yeah. Yeah, they do call it by name. It's it's kind of the trans warp of its era. There you go. Yeah. I think we're going to see the trans warp of its era for a lot of things. I think so. <laughs> I think you're correct. For a lot of areas. It, it kind of almost gave me a um, th- that. It's funny the, the the transporter room that particular one version almost gave me kind of a uh, uh, the cage type feel to it in terms of so you know we see the cage and we see the bridge of the enterprise and we got these like old school lamps and and just you can tell how different it is from when they shot over to kirk and them and how different it was you know this basically the the enterprise that we know today that it, it i mean I, I remember a lot of people saying it looks like giant speakers and yeah, i remember even a few, few people made uh, a back to the future reference when uh, mcfly plugged in the uh, you know the guitar yeah the, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it reminded me of the big wheel in the time in the original george powell time machine that the guy uh, said, uh, okay, sat that's, down which yeah. makes no sense but yeah it, it just kind of gave me a, a old school feel to it in terms of what what we know um but also, it was weird because I I, I kind of got the impression, and maybe it is the same class, but obviously because technology, we're looking at different types of uh, ways of looking at the technology. It almost re- reminded me of whatever the class is. Larry, you can chime on this. Uh, whatever class, uh, the remember the Reliant from uh, the Wrath of Khan? It almost looked like it could have been like a Reliant ship where we all know th- those bridges are slightly smaller, and and it's a, you know it's obviously not. The, the type of design that we're used to in terms of, like, the bridge of the Enterprise. I believe, yeah, that, so I, I believe that was the Miranda class, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Is that Miranda? Okay, yeah. all right. Not to, well, be a, not to be a total track nerd for a moment, but... <laughs> no, hey, you, you just fooled me, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's sad is, ever since uh, Serenity, the Firefly movie, I always want to say, what class is the Reliant? It's a Miranda class. Oh, That's yeah. That is, that is kind of nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I actually really liked it. I mean, it 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 gave me a um, you, you know, you obviously saw. I I, I you, we all saw like elements from, from from 2009 Star Trek in terms of the technology, like what we saw like on the on the view screen, and um, everyone apparently is able to tell if somebody's living or dead when they're on an away mission, their heart rate, their pulse and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those type of things. I, I, I never had a problem with that, even with the, with the 2009 movies. Um, I didn't have a problem with that, with this either. You know? Well, when you got, you know, when they astronauts in the 1960s and beyond have biosensors and they know the ground controllers know what's going on with them, you know, what they're monitoring their, their, um, Body functions and the and the per scans the belts in the motion picture were supposed to do the same thing so you, it's like just they've got to be monitoring now we'll, now we'll go back and find original series episodes where people died and nobody had a clue but we just retcon in that the signal was disrupted or something yeah you know, but yeah it, it worked for me I, I I loved it I I love that type of technology you know I I, I like the idea of especially of what 
looks pretty much like an interactive screen, like an interactive view screen, as opposed to just. Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to ask about one thing in particular. I'm, well, I'm not going to ask, but I'm going to state I loved the intermediary phaser that they carry. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that they actually kind of they said, let's make a phaser. But remember that doohickey at the end of uh, Pike and Number One's laser? Let's throw that on there. I do, I do miss, and they, this is of all the people going, oh, it's so JJ looking. There's a lot. Of, it's not. It's just the way it's done. But the one thing that I that seems to be the trend is I miss phaser beams. Not, not pulses. Nice. Oh, not, not pulses. Uh, yeah. Not, not pulses. Pew, pew pew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I miss continuous phaser beams. So maybe, but maybe that's another one of those bits they will grow into we'll see yeah i hope so because that 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 would be like one of the ships as well as sidearms but you know yeah uh, yeah i really like that i do like how everything kind of harkens back i did have a little problem with the holographic projectors everywhere. yeah that's the other main thing yeah yeah mm-hmm. unless see if you make it between him and if you make it between sarek and um and michael burnham if you make that a vulcan vulcan mysticism thing that they're just sharing because yeah. of mind meld with her or something, and that's just the that's just the um, personification. That's just how it's staged and filmed. Mm. Then that's okay. But then the admiral turns up in a hollow viewer. Yeah, like it's Deep Space Nine, and I was like, eh, I didn't know about that. But yeah, I, I had a little trouble with that because the couple times they they did that, and I'm like, now I can get like a visual reboot. Just like guys, it's 50 years on. We, we got to make the stuff look like we think it would look, you know. But then all of a sudden, when we've never seen holographs besides in the far future from you know the point we're talking about now, all of a sudden yeah. they're walking around the ship and like handling props or something. I was like, hmm, that might have hit the one the one spot that yeah. I was un 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 okay with. Yeah, well, I keep hoping they'll just turn up and say, oh no, holographic viewers cause cancer, and so mm. then they stop doing it for right. Why we have screens today? <laughs> Touch screen consoles cause cause cancer. So you yeah. age you age fast if you are touching a console that has no buttons on it. Right, 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 right. So <laughs> yeah, so Starfleet and banned all holographic projectors yeah. so we can work that shit out. <laughs> I, do, I do like. What do you guys think of the uniforms? Uniforms were cool. Uniforms were cool. I I, I did kind of want to see maybe. Since, because because obviously we're we're going it's it's the uniform before the original series uniform. I would have liked to see more color variation in the um in the accents of 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 the blue, which automatically signified what was what and what we know to be today, um in terms of uh, uh, uh the different departments and stuff. Even though I know that still. It was still a little green even in the original series because in the beginning you didn't you didn't really have red in in the be, in like the first yeah, few they, episodes. They had tan for red and then they made it red I guess to sell more color TVs. But yeah, I mean like the the metallic. The, it's I don't I think maybe you'd think they had camera tests. I haven't got to talk to anybody yet. But you know, the, supposedly the divisions were all the you know, silver and silver gold and platinum or silver uh, bronze yeah bronze. bronze silver and gold like it's like elements of you know a mileage airline mileage to, uh, mm-hmm. okay. or something fly alaska but i don't know how well those play on screen you know just as a practical thing i don't know how you're supposed to know people's division when you see a group in a dark bridge 
It's very subtle. That's the thing. Yeah, it's I don't think the like, gold, bronze, and silver really stand out that much. So maybe they evolve away. Maybe that's part of the evolution. But did you notice? Did you all see the little featurette so they could show, you know, Jason Isaacs and all the other cast that are Discovery people who aren't Shinzu that are still going to be regulars? They have that little featurette at the end. She's running around. Uh, in she a comes yellow. In a, in a yellow gold top, right? Yeah. With a zipper right down the middle of it. it and I was like, hmm, maybe that's a baby step toward, uh, you know, the green gold command. I don't know. But mm-hmm. it sure was an interesting choice for her to be wearing something an odd bird thing like that but you know who knows yeah i thought that was i actually that was i did notice it obviously because i was like hey we got color she's wearing colors look at that (laughs) you know here's the thing i i honestly feel this way i i honestly feel with all the complaining and the bitching and the moaning and the whining that a lot of these people are doing i fit and i've always said this people need to just kind of wait for it i think Mm -hmm. people need to just really chill out and just wait that we're, we're seeing things in the beginning. It does not necessarily mean it's going to represent the same way for five, six, seven you know, years, depending on how long the show lasts. I think we're going to see other things in relation to uh, fam- familiarity with the original series. A lot of people think that this is just complete reboot and it's this is how it's going to be and we're not going to um, see we're not going to see anything. And, and I'm just like, Hey, wait, it's, we just saw the first two episodes. We hopefully will have seven seasons where a lot of things will be revealed. A lot of different changes may happen. You just don't, we don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. So well, right, wait yeah. for and enjoy and the ride, you know? Yeah. And Brian's original idea of which they tossed out, but who, they may circle back to it in some way was to be a, an anthology series where every, you know, they're short seasons. They're in the new streaming, you know, BBC, you know, premium mold here of of fewer episodes and the idea of what a season is and how often it times out and all that is all in flux. But they're trying to match Game of Thrones and trying to be in that same plateau of respect and budget and how it looks. And, you know, his original idea was to have 15 or whatever episodes and then jump ahead a few years and do another error and jump ahead. And they're like, no, 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 let's stay. They (laughs) they said, no, we're going to stay here for a while. We're going to spend the money on this era. Let's stay here for a while. I keep having people tell me, hang on, hang on. We know Kirk. We really do know Kirk is 10 years away. We are really not, as much, as crazy as it seems, we really do know what Kirk's time looked like. Don't abandon your hope for seeing something move toward that. Because here's the thing, and what I've tried to tell people, what my way is there is a difference between design and cinematography. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the, the old Enterprise bridge, when Enterprise did it as the Defiant, when they went in, and even just the way they were shooting TV in 2005, you know, it was darker, and it was supposed to be a darker, you know, ruined ship, but still, everything was in dark and shadows, and it was 2005 shooting in 1960, and they put touch, they animated screens and did things to kind of put some layers on it that were easy ads that put it above, put it a few steps beyond what they could have built in 1964 and oh, five. Yeah. You know, so it was like a combination of adding some to it and also the way they shot it. And I still think maybe that that could, you know, and still tweak it. And they've got materials and technology now, the way they build sets, just like everything else that can be different. But anyway, I'm I'm just I'm the little boy in me was going, okay, maybe it's finally time to quit. You know, like DS9 did with Tribulations and Enterprise did with Mirror Darkly. Maybe it's time to quit acknowledging that as what the twenty that era looked like. 
maybe they're still going to get there with a little heavier dose of here's what our cameras are and our editing and our lighting is doing. So I don't know. We'll see. Well, also just the screen dimensions, everything. If if yeah. the original Star Trek had been shot 16 by 9 instead of 4 by 3, would have looked completely different than we think it looked too. And well, actually, there's somebody has done that. They've done some scans and put out like 16 9, and they look awesome. They look it suddenly looks oh, yeah. epic. Well, and, and to, to your thing the there, colors. Larry, but talking about cinematography, lighting, and shooting, Kirk wore green, everybody. I, I just want to point that out. <laughs> Kirk's shirt yeah. was originally green, and it wasn't decided that it was yellow until the animated series was done. Yeah. So, you know. Well, the, 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 the polyester they did for third season kind of pushed it more yellow, too. So. Yeah, but I was I was trying to be absurd there, so. Thanks, oh, okay. for, thanks okay. for stepping on my jokes, Larry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, Tell I just... me it's a joke first. I won't step on it. Oh, but thing. We're going to need flashcards for this going forward. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sit there and take that from it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I want to point something out because keep in mind for, for all the listeners out there, listen, when, when, when Enterprise was on the air, and they did the whole Mirror Universe episode. They showed the original series. They showed the Defiant, which mm-hmm. was basically the same bridge as the as the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So that technology still does exist. Now, they already mentioned that this was this was the Prime Universe. So, if that is indeed true, that particular type of technology exists and will show up somewhere somehow. Maybe not in this series, but it does. It's there, or it will be there. It, it will exist if it doesn't already exist. So I'm kind of backtracking in terms of the technology of the ship and stuff. But the 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 fact that we're seeing what we're seeing now, and yeah, it it looks a little bit different, actually a lot different, and then what we're seeing, say like with the Shinzu, and of course with the Discovery, I think we're gonna I, th- I think we're gonna start seeing a little more references. I actually remember seeing a couple of pictures um, that people put online, which made it seem like there were like some knobs and buttons and clicks and things like that on, I don't know if, I'm, I'm assuming it's the, the Discovery Bridge. But they have some of those things there from what I remember in the uh, in a couple of pictures. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, basically say, don't give up, don't give up, we're not throwing the 60s well, out. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to point out that on the Shinjo, its bridge was on the bottom of the saucer, which mm-hmm. is a new thing. I, I don't I don't know of any other Federation ship where it's on the bottom of the saucer and not on the top. Right. Right. Um, right. So obviously there's some serious designed changes between Enterprise to this and this to Star Trek. Yeah, so, or it was an experiment. Yeah. And they only class to do, that's what I'm saying. The Discovery Bridge is right back on top of the bubble of yeah. the saucer. Yeah. Right. And well, yeah. So it goes with your your theory or your statement about airplanes during the fifties and that period. Yeah. Um, but there was also oh, where, where was I just headed with that? Ah, darn it. Oh, I did find that the episode of Star Trek Phase Two I was talking about would have been called Katumba, not Tecumva, but it's still oh, right. Tecumba was yes, very yes. close in uh, phonetics. Um, also, one point, a friend of mine, I don't know if he read it somewhere or if it popped off the top of his head, he goes, you know, it'd be funny is if you find out that the Enterprise, had, its bridge layout was like Andorian or something, and that's why it was all solid push buttons and not slick touch screens. It was just a design choice they made. 
Well, like I, I always say, texture, not trivia. So I, I read some I, – I, I can't remember if it was a fan theory or something like that, but it's something so, something along the lines of the reason why the technology of, of the original series Enterprise looks like it does is to confuse anybody trying to come on board and take over the ship because only, only Federation personnel will know what all those little – uh, cute little gumballs do and look like and without labels right without labels and of course like really without even really view screens with the exception of like Spock and, and like Sulu you know when we were thinking about. but and, and the big view screen but for the most part they're just pressing buttons but they know exactly what they're pressing and they know exactly what it's going to do and the number of beeps and how fast it beeps and how slow it beeps they know but only they know and it's like, does anybody and else know? They're Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> and they're that good. Yeah, hey, I'm only reading a fan theory. But I liked it. It's one of the few ones that I was kind of like. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. Yeah. They're Starfleet, and they're smart, and they're trained. And yep. Yeah. 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 Well, they so, are all supposed to be the equivalent of astronauts. That's kind of like even your your bottom level level person there is supposed to still be a NASA top hire. Was kind of the idea of who would be in Starfleet. I'm yeah. the I'm the deck thirty janitor, but I have a PhD in nuclear physics. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm pursuing my live stream because we have replicators and I can. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gold is nothing. I'm I'm pursuing my life's ambition. I mean, we're only going to keep two of these people, I'm assuming, at this point that we've seen. But what did you guys think of the characterizations of the people we saw Federation and Klingon in this episode? I'm very interested to see where um, Sonequa's character goes. And I'm, I'm very interested to learn more about her. So far from what I know, I, I, it, it's really piqued my interest. But like with all of these type of prequels obviously we never see or hear of her past this so it does make me wonder you know kind of like um in star wars uh ashaka probably just killed her name she's never around since the since um new hope so did she die did she just decide to say f this i'm out of here and never return again you know, it's like, well, what happens to her? Does her story end after after discovery? So I'm really I'm really curious as to that journey and of course what happens to her. But I I I love the continuation, kind of the extended family formula that they're uh applying to her character, especially in relation to uh Sarek and of course, you know, Spock and all of that. Um so and as far as um I'm interested in, in in Saru's character as well. I'm sure we're going to have separate storylines. They're going to touch on him, his race, his people, and all of that. So that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I I don't think I don't feel like we really got a whole lot of of uh, breakdown from the other people on the bridge. I mean, obviously the Shenzhou is no more, but um, it would have been nice to get a little bit more on them in that respect. But I'm excited to see where some of the other characters go and, and how they relate to, to everything and how they may tie into a lot of what we already know from 50 years of Trek two. How about you, Larry? Yeah. I mean, we really only got into the, you know, Captain Georgiou and, um, um, and Michael Burnham. 
and then Saru as far as seeing how they all dealt with each other but uh, and knowing that Saru will be back and that's not a spoiler it wasn't the thing that mm -hmm. Saru will come aboard Discovery after whatever happened to the Shinzu after yeah. they abandoned the ship and all that and um, I some things that hadn't bugged me I saw today I was reading some reactions bugging people like if she had been with her seven years and the whole point she pulled up you know she basically override she countermands an order after a normal argument then she you know finally backs down then she Vulcan neck pinches her from you, you assume uh, either from a direct link with Sarek or just her training growing up on Vulcan because they would always say other people could learn it mm -hmm. um, right. and well, beyond the data but yeah. uh, um, and then she knocks her out then, she, then the captain pulls a phaser on her and then you know then events careening out of control but that my god they didn't they were so untested with each other after seven years of having been side by side and it's like well something this all triggered her and whether it was her parents being killed by Klingons or not uh, it's she was actually trying to put her Vulcan training to use but it was a you know was it the would it have been the right thing to do at the beginning maybe but that's not the way things unfolded so you didn't really get into anybody else on that bridge beyond that really Although uh, I think young, um, the young cadet, uh, no, the young um, guy that was at the uh, helm, Sam Bartolomeos, I think his oh. character comes back. One of them is supposed to be a gung-ho, it's got to be him, being a gung-ho um, young cadet who's got you know, reality versus his, his bright, shiny cadet, you know, black and white outlook on life, and then the gray of life hits him. And I think he's, I think he's back too. Wait, but, which one? You, you're not talking about the one that got blasted out into space. Uh, well, I thought see, I thought he was talking about being around. Maybe it was just a limited. Yeah, maybe so. I think uh, Giorgio isn't dead. I personally feel like she's not well, dead. I am too, because look at all how they disguised it. She was yanked away. Nobody, yeah. no doctor ran a scan. Uh, nobody, nobody ran a scan, much less pronounced her dead. Well, Saru did say, "I can't, I can't beam out what what uh, a lifeless form or something like that." So he, but, but, it, but people don't flatline in real life, much like much less in Star Trek, and, and get revived somehow. Yeah, that happened to Nikki Six every weekend in the eighties. Right. Right. <laughs> Except for Nikki Six. Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved Saru. The idea of a of kind of a chicken shit bridge officer killed From me. From a chicken shit species. Yeah. It, it killed me just the... Cause really, up until now, everybody we saw... Well, up until Deep Space Nine, there was like very little conflict within a personal character. So what you saw was like the bravest, the boldest, the whatever. And to have one guy up there just like... This is a really bad idea, guys. We should just we should just pound sand right now. Just yeah, just yeah. put up the white flag. Let's go home. I'll buy chicken. Let's just go now. Come on, come on. Let's all go. I loved that. Well, now you you mm -hmm. would have you know you would have a Kirk Spock moment where you'd have Kirk's like, okay you know arm phasers, photon torpedoes, and Spock go now, Captain. If this could be taken alive, it would answer millions of unknown questions about you know. And he's like, shut up, Spock. We're gonna you know yeah. kind of a thing. I'm being crass. No, but had that, but just not the out, out and out. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Yeah, like, you know, aside from maybe Neelix on Voyager, but he was in Starfleet. When she was getting ready to go check out the anomaly, and the yeah. guy starts doing like the the old airline captain bit. I love that they put in a little bit of humor right there, and that's one of the things I'm enjoying about the Orville, is that you would never get like, you know, nobody would ever talk about smoking a joint on the Enterprise. But it comes up on the Orville. You get these little real life moments that add a little texture. Well, but that's 
But that's Seth MacFarlane. That the the bit on Inter on Enterprise, the bit on Discovery with the airline. I was kind of like, okay. Oh, you didn't like this? See, I did. I kind of liked that they put I in was a like, little. So do they still have commercial aviation in the twenty one to twenty two fifties, where that's going to be a reference that ordinary people would know to make? Yeah. Mm. No, I, I get you there. It probably is a little dated. But, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what, Larry? Now that you say that, it killed the joke for me. That guy was Sorry, that's that, guy, that guy was stupid. I hate him. Who was that guy? I hope he gets blown oh, into space. I think he did. <laughs> oh. Forget what I said earlier. I think he did. So let me ask you guys this real quick. Since we are all Star Trek fans, we must have a complaint about something. Larry, is there something that really stood out at you that you were like, hmm, I just don't know about that? Well, like I said, I hope they hurry. I hope the the uh, consoles and uniforms are like the only visual canon things. There's one moment though that I saw in the promos, and they cut it way down and they darkened it. But I was hoping, like when they do the Blu-rays, they'll fix this. There's when the when they had the insert shot of the Klingon icon showing up on his scanner. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, they're all decloaking. Um, and some people are bothered that the Klingons can cloak, but I'm not. I'm not, I'm going to be okay with that. It's a big galaxy, Mister Scott. Um. The, the background graphic is the little dipper. You can even read the stars, and it's got like the little dotted line that connects the little dipper, which you know is a constellation, which means here's how these stars look from Earth, and they're right. out on the, the edge of Federation space. So I'm like, wow, this is the picture of these Klingons decloaking in around Earth because they're over the little dipper close-up. Anyway, that kind of because because to me that's not so much that what's that, but it's a bigger thing of somebody didn't realize that that was going to be easily read. It's like we keep talking about how it's the HD world and they're putting all these layers and layers and layers of detail in the props and costumes and the consoles and everything. And then to do that, I was like, guys, it's not like, you know, the old thing about when Richard Arnold said, uh, when they were watching the dailies for Wrath of Khan and Khan says, Mr. Chekhov, I never forget your face. And Richard Arnold said, told, told Harv and, and uh, Nick Meyer, uh, you know, Chekhov wasn't in the show the first season when Space Seed was. And they <laughs> And the reaction was, oh, no one's going to notice that. And that's like been the downfall of every new Star Trek producer coming in until they learn different. Mm -hmm. I I thought we were past that in this era. So anyway, I I hope somebody would do it. I I know that's being totally weirdly little tiny anal apart from what everybody else is upset about. To me, it's like it's an easy fix and it's not the end of the world with the show. But it's just like that's it's also reflecting an attitude about you guys got to be careful and you could also be much more creative. Like, just put random dots up there. Yeah. Why did you go get a constellation? Anyway. And because there's a ton of people, amateur astronomers, much less, you know, science people who are going to see that and go, oh, <laughs> I expect more. But anyway, that was my tiny, tiny little thing. I'm excited. I'm excited for the show. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, it's Trek back, damn it. That's, that's the biggest thing. I, I hope that's what people don't lose track of. Um, Rico, what, is there anything that jumped out at you that was like less than pleasing or less than, I don't know, something that triggered your, your nerd alarm in some way? I kind of felt space. like, huh? I said to say space, go for it. <laughs> space. I, I kind of felt like, and maybe this is just my conditioning whenever a new trick thing happens, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted really more of that introduction of of the characters and I guess I wanted it more in the traditional way that we're used to seeing it and a lot of times they they're usually happening on the ship on the bridge or you know somewhere on the ship and and we have clear 
um, we we have we we have a clear look at them. We have a clear whatever, you know. And and it didn't bug me, but it was just different. But I say this, and this whole show to me is different. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm just used to certain things happening uh, when it comes to Star Trek, and I, I I didn't see that. And I don't know if that made sense, but I just like the first time we see uh, uh, Michael and and Giorgio, they're they're in the desert, you know, and so it's not like we're not even getting a, a clear uh, look at them right off the bat until they get aboard the Shenzhou. Then we get to see what they really look like, even though we've known what they look like all summer. But still, in terms of the introduction of them on the show, that type of thing. But again, it didn't it didn't bug the crap out of me fully. It it was just different, and I was just kind of like, ah, okay. And then there was another part where I kind of felt like we just went straight into the the adventure or straight into the mission, and I I I felt like it may have been slightly rushed in the beginning before she jumps in the suit and goes to see what the hell was going on out there. Like the whole just just like that whole section just seemed very um, rushed, kind of rushed, a little rushed to me. Yeah, finally oh, rushed. Yeah, yeah, and I I just I just wanted a little, I I just I just I I wanted to be invited into the home first and just kind of given the tour a little bit. You know, again, just like what we what we've seen in other shows. You know, it, it, but again, it's different. It's it's different. It had a different vibe to it, a different feel to it. So I'm open to that, and and I actually love the difference. But I'm so used to the 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 norm of it, and it just. But but in a way, it's kind of like, all right, we're doing this. We're we're hitting the ground running. Boom, let's go. Let's you're you're with us. Let's let's go. Let's let's play. Let's and, do this. You know, and this is a this is an epilogue pilot. This is like a you know they keep saying ep- episode three is like a whole new pilot, because, right? Yeah. So right, and 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 kind of actually, it, and I know this isn't the question, but Jeremy, but yeah. what I actually really loved about episode one and two, it kind of reminded me of some of those companion like comic books where you know the pro, uh, prologue or what is it the the uh, what's the word. Uh, like the countdown books, like what we got before the, the two. Oh yeah. yeah, the prequel books. Like what? At the, what? What the hell led to all this happening? Those two episodes were almost like the prequel to what we're going to know to be Discovery. On and, that and, point specifically, I can't remember if it was IO9 or somebody else. They wrote maybe it was Trek movie. I'm gonna have to find it and put it in the notes for this episode. They wrote, "We went in expecting a pilot, and we got a prequel. The pilot comes next week." I love that. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. That's that's great. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the feel I got from it too, because I was like, first off, I was surprised. This thing did things I did not expect. I didn't expect to end on the note that we ended on in the second episode. You know what yeah. I mean? I did not expect, well, let's, we'll just do the spoiler warning now. Our main character is on her way to prison, regardless of where she ends up. I We got a guilty verdict for the first time I've ever seen in Star Trek when a Federation officer does something against the orders. <laughs> you know, even Spock didn't get the death sentence for going to uh, Talos Four. you know? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. and it's a pilot, so... 
But you know, we didn't see what happened to Tom. We just saw Janeway swoop in and grab Tom Paris. We didn't see. We we heard it off screen. Yeah, you know, we heard it Greekified. It was all off screen. Yeah. What he had done, vaguely. So there's elements here that are have been in touches and other things. They've just never been plumbed. And right. and I was thinking that the Voyager pilot, not quite so sharply, but the Voyager pilot was a complete epilogue pilot setting up what they would wind up doing. Okay. Right? I mean, you start off in their normal space, then there's chaos, 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 and then they blow up the McKee ship at the end, and, and now they've got to come together at the very end. It's like, well, we got to get together now. It, it's almost like as if they had blown up uh, Chakotay's ship and at the very end and then saved her speech to the begin the, the, the third episode. Yeah. Would be something, you know, a counter to this. But structurally, it was unlike the way the next gen and the DS9 I mean the DS, they all have some inciting incidents yeah. DS9 does mm-hmm. he's on his ship but that's over in 5, 10, 15 minutes and then right. you're on his new life so most of the pilot is about the world as it exists now not the backstory right I can and, see uh, that the Voyager was like almost the whole backstory in slow motion before that's... it really settled out to what it was going to be so yeah oh um, wait oh. I, I just thought of something I just thought of something real quick Something that I wish they, they would have done in the first episode mm-hmm. because we, we've always gotten this, minus the cage. Um, the the cameo. The cameo. The yeah, from a previous yeah. something. Yeah. It, it would have been nice to have some sort of cameo, like like maybe somebody from from Enterprise, you know, who, who would still be around. I don't know, palling around with Sarek or, you know, popping his head on the bridge going, hey, guys, you know, not, not like that, but you know what I'm saying. Just, yeah, the Paul showing up to... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, or maybe Paul had some sort of... Maybe she was a teacher in the Vulcan Science Academy when, when little uh, when little uh, Michael was uh, freaking out over the computer or something like I don't know, something like that. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, Sarek, and then she has to go get Sarek and then, you know, oh, boy, hey... So are you talking specifically the actor would be the cameo and not the character? I, I, mean, yeah, I mean, I would love for them to, you know, dust off Jolene Blaylock and yeah, yeah. You know, bring, her, bring her Well, in. this is the first time we've a had a lot of guys lock. like to dust off Jolene Blaylock, but anyways. It's the first time we've had a startup after a long gap when nobody was really involved with the prior, you know, like Gene started Next Generation, so it was nothing for him to get D to come in and do that pilot, uh, that cameo, and then the others were all in the Berman era, so yeah. this has been the first time it's – I don't know. But no, I, I thought of that too. I thought, oh, it's – I wonder if they'll have anything. But like what would – and would that have been so distracting from right, the moment right. that you would have gone, oh, what? Unless, like what you guys said, the the next week is the real pilot, and I don't know. Maybe we might still see somebody. Yeah. Because well, right. I took Sarek to be that. You know, I, I realize it's not the same actor. That's not a possibility at this point. But to right. me, having Sarek in there was kind of the the bridging legacy character. Yeah, or having Nimoy in Star Trek 09 and all that. Yeah. Well, you that's know, true. You that's know what have been funny, though, is to have a beagle run by in the background and somebody go, oh, yeah, that's one of those archer-bred beagles. Or some, like, <laughs> typical, like, archer created his own breed of beagles when he got back to Earth, and now they're still running around or something like that. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's yeah. Hilarious. Um, one, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my 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 little bitch and Larry, you already brought it up, but I'm gonna make mine. I couldn't help but with the slightly cloaked Klingon vessel go. No, is it just in my head that they got that from the Romulans, or did they already have that technology? And I couldn't remember. So mm. that's been the fan theory 
for a billion years to explain why the Klingon, why the uh, Romulans were using Klingon ships, besides yeah. the practical reason, and that whole backstory, right? But then, they, but if you track the years, they instantly um, they were allied, and then they instantly weren't because they were plotting against each other, right? So, like Kittimer's time, so and in you know they had the fake the the, the planet of Nimbus three was supposed to be the big experiment, but you know, with the, by six's time, the Romulan ambassador. No, the Romulan ambassador was was in on the conspiracy. Yes. So, um, yeah, but it didn't last very long because they they were with you know pretty soon they were bashing on each other. But you know that being said, as I say that in Journey to Babel, the Orions had an invisible ship, so maybe you know maybe it's not that big a deal, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean. Like- everybody's got one well they did it just to save money on the old show i mean i get the practicalities of it now my last question guys and then we can wrap this up is uh cbs all access did you already subscribe how long did you subscribe did you see this as a bar to entry what were your thoughts about the whole thing uh etc etc larry i'm gonna throw that to you first well i know a lot of people are upset about it a lot of people are, are you know but it's the same it's just the new business model wave and the fact that Disney's announced they're going to do the same thing start their own network it just shows that's where things are going but um, I I haven't yet only because we're in the middle of cutting cord and I have to figure out I don't want to put it on my cable just to turn my cable off and get all my other stuff set up so I'm I'm set to, to be up with it I'm not missing any any track and I'm trying to do this as fast as I can I had I had a retreat and then we had the premiere and then I had a comic con and then came back for the premiere I haven't had time to sit down and do house stuff. Rico, how about you? What was your? Uh, are you signed up with all access? What are your feelings about it? Yeah, I'm all signed up. I'm ready to go. I mean, I, I I've never not wanted. I, I I never had the idea that I wasn't going to do it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah. in. I'm not trying to boycott anything. Um, I'm not. I look. I, I agree with Larry. It's it's pretty much the wave of the future. I, I guess my only big gripe about. Um, the all access thing, and this is not just on CBS, but like Larry said, uh, Disney's doing it, and and I'm sure other 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 uh, uh, companies are going to follow suit. Well, now we're kind of right back to to cable in a sense because mm-hmm. people are trying to cut the cord and trying to find out other alternative ways. But if every single network decides they want to do an all access thing, well, you know seven eight nine bucks a month it adds up when you're paying nine bucks for cbs nine bucks for uh you know netflix nine bucks for you know hulu and amazon and all that it does add up and and i feel like that it's going to be it it may not be as much still as cable but it's not going to be cheap if everybody decides to jump on that bandwagon and and do it obviously what's great about Netflix or Hulu is, you know, it's all kind of like centralized in one little area and you just pay whatever you pay and then you're you're good to go. I don't have an issue with it in in the in the in in the other sense. I mean, look, if that's the only way I'm going to see it, then I'm going to do it. I'm not going to try to pirate it. I'm not going to do anything like that. Um I'm I'm in it for I'm in it for the long haul. And I I agree also in terms of I know people have budgets and stuff like that. On another hand, I feel like okay, but people do spend six, eight bucks on a drink. People spend, some people spend six, eight bucks, bucks on a latte. So, or you know, close, close. Yeah. So it, it's, it's. You look at it as one or two less lattes a month, a month, because there's thirty days in a month. Mm-hmm. So 
or 31 days or 28 days if it's Black History Month. So, you know, it, it's it's to people who are counting every penny, yeah, I get it. It it it, it is something. But when you look at it in the bigger sense in terms of people who spend money on things that they could come back cut back on anyway, like lattes and whatnot, eh, you just kind of shift your priorities. I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I'm ready to rock. I also have a little personal theory. All the all the people who I read about saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy it. I'm not gonna spend the money, and they say it out of spite. They're yeah. all liars. Every damn one of them is lying. Yeah, yeah. And I've and I've called many of them out. I mean, I'm not I'm not actively trolling on 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 Facebook trying to look yeah. for them. But every, but every now and then I'll just put a little comment. Yes, you are. Yeah. You know, you know, because it's like please. Oh, with all the hype. Give me a break. As, as much of a fan as you're acting like you are, you can't not see this. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, so. And I got to throw this out there. Now, you guys have both been to my, my town here in Modesto. We are 65 miles from the next largest media market. Yeah. So you have to have a 30-foot mast with an antenna here to be a cord cutter in the true old traditional sense. Now, we haven't had cable for seven years, and it's not a budgetary thing. It's just I am sick to death of paying $150 a month to have half-hour ads played 24 hours a day in my home. I just It drives me batty. What I liked about CBS All Access is we can now watch the evening news, presidential debates, local media stuff. For $6 a month, we get every episode of I Dream of Genie and Star Trek, and we have an, live access to the CBS station as well. $6 a month, 6 bucks isn't even a rounding error on my bar tab on a Friday night. You know what I mean? I'm not saying I drink that much, but I really, really do. Whatever you say, Jim. And that's kind of the thing for me is I get some people six bucks is a make or break. I understand it. And if any of my friends are in that position, you can come to my house any Sunday night or day of the week when I am home and watch the new Star Trek series, guys. I open my home to you gladly. Um, I got CBS All Access last summer knowing, quote unquote, knowing that Star Trek was going to start in January. And then don't ever repeat this to anybody, guys, but me and my wife are huge Big Brother addicts. We are huge, huge, huge Big Brother addicts. And with CBS All Access, you get Big Brother, you get Big Brother After Dark, you get the live feeds, and you get every season of it that's been made. My condolences to you and the missus. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get out of the house a lot during the summer because of that show, okay. but but we found out it's hot outside, and we don't really want to go I, there. Well, right. I hear the same thing happens on uh, Big Brother. They never leave the house either. They do not. Well, they do one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Little, little, little thing. They always get voted off. Strangest thing. Strangest darn thing. Yeah. Um, guys, you have anything you want to close on before we uh, before we wrap this little little uh, trip of ours up? People get excited and and really and and really embrace it and throw what you know out the window and just just I, I always say wait for it. I I think I think we're in for a great ride, a pleasant surprise, and hey baby, Trek is back on TV and let's let's do this. Let's let's do this. Let's do it. Look, we've been waiting years for this. We've been we've been entertained by other various forms of Trek. We've obviously had the movies, we've obviously had a lot of the independent uh, uh productions that have come out and and 
you know, we still have the books, the comics and all that and the audio books and all that. But now we got Trek back on TV. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Love it. And man, let's let's hope it's around for seven years or more. And let's hope more is going to be following. And let's let's just give it a let's give it a chance. and Let's have fun. And let's just make this happen. How about you, Larry? Yeah, well, just we've been saying I've been saying for months and a lot of people that, uh, you know, no big gap in Star Trek, even when it's been overlapping series, no new series ever started making 100 percent of the world happy. Mm-hmm. Somebody had some there was some meme about every, you know, DS9 never, never goes anywhere. And and Enterprise is going backwards, not forwards in time. And and my God, there was a huge at least a lot the pre-social media internet, the loud cry by the old fans, some old fans, about Next Generation. That it wasn't, Star Trek is Kurt Spock and these guys are just pretenders and why should I care about these people? And they can't possibly have the same family feeling evolved that the original series cast had. And I remember being a kid and going, shut up, it's new Star Trek and Gene's doing it even. And come on, guys. So I I, uh, have my quirks about the new show, but, but everybody has that about everything. And it's amazing to sit back now. I, you tell that to people. You show people what was written down at the time, and they just go, huh? Because, you know, sentimentality and rose-colored glasses and everything has just been assimilated. Yes, I can say that word. Assimilated yeah. into the Trek mainstream, and now we don't think about it. I mean, even Ratha Khan had people pissed that they were killing Spock, and mm-hmm. this boycott survey was organized about don't kill Spock off or you will lose 30% of your box office revenue will be boycotting the movie and – all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, but the other side of the coin is it's so cool because there's so many younger fans, and not even not so young, but people who were not fans when Enterprise, if not earlier, and they're all thrilled because now it's their Star Trek. It's like now they're on the same part. There's nobody older than them that's going to sit around and talk about what it was like to watch Next Gen or the original series or whatever, you know, every week. And they've known it a million times, and they're the new kid trying to learn everything. Everybody's on the same square, you know, square one with this new show where all everybody's learning together and they are getting their own Star Trek, whether they're like 10 year old kids or, you know, young parents or anybody, whatever age, 60 year old grandmas. But it's so cool to hear people talk who have been fans, but they never had an original era in their fandom mm-hmm. time. You know what I'm saying? And they're excited. So for all of those people and for, people who may be a little grouchy and thinking this is some weird new thing and go, no, no, we've been here before. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, it's new is always a little scary, but it's always new and fresh. It winds up being the fresh lifeblood that, that, you know, gives you more texture. So anyway, yeah, that's my, I, I'm not so much feeling like preaching at people. It's just trying to reassure them and like point the, you know, point to history. And then also I enjoy the, the young kids who are, who are just thrilled to have their own news trek that, that they can have their own and they can tell their kids when it aired the first time and when they saw, oh my God, I was there. I remember when this happened, you know, before it had been a million times rerun. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I know people in their late 20s who the first thing they ever saw that was Star Trek was Into Darkness on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. was their literal introduction into Star Trek. And um, you were depressed. Yeah, and well, that's the thing, you know. Look, guys, change sucks. We we all think change sucks. It's because we're all getting old. Even if you're 15, you're getting old, and we don't want things to be different. You don't want your Pokemon to be different. I don't want my Star Trek to be different. But sometimes change is for the better. If you don't change, you get eaten by a dinosaur or a sta- uh, uh, saber-toothed tiger. You watch the fun zones. I know. I know you do. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and and the thing is, Larry, like you brought up, 
years ago, people just said, Netflix, make us a new Star Trek series. Take my $15 a month. And then we, they said, okay, six bucks a month, we'll make a new Star Trek. And they're like, you suck, CBS. Die in fire. And, you know, right. that's kind of what happened. Anyhow, Rico, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where can they find you at? Well, I just launched my website, so they can go to Rico, yeah, RicoAnderson.com, plain and simple. And, of course, um, I am Rico Anderson on uh, Twitter, the Twitter, and the Instagram, and, of course, on Facebook as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh, no. Oh, no. My website is RicoAnderson.com. Oh, now we got a problem. Didn't, I can't believe that the name registry didn't detect it. I don't know. Yeah, you know, go, go, Daddy. What are you gonna do? <laughs> that's gonna save no, me. No. That's gonna save me time typing up the notes for the show. Yeah. Exactly. Same space. And Larry, how about you? I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, LarryNimichek.com for me is great. Uh, Central Hub. I have my Portal 47 deep dive bunch where we do stuff like this and more from all eras. Uh, and the voices that people have not heard from, from Trek um, is at portal47.net. But Twitter, I'm just at Larry Nimichek. And I, Instagram and Facebook pages are Larry Nimichek's Trekland. And uh, I have a YouTube channel with a lot of my interviews with people that's just Larry Nimichek on YouTube. So I'm trying to build the subscriptions up there. So everybody go over there. Oh, now, awesome. now, Jeremy, yes. Jeremy what, yes. what, what, what Larry doesn't realize is that all those websites that he gets that he just dropped, it all, <laughs> it all snaps back to RicoAnderson.com. They all forward to RicoAnderson.com. Exactly. I wasn't going to bring it up because I just am amazed to find all this out tonight. But, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. All right. Well, for everybody else, you can catch us at GeekishCast.com. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash GeekishCast. I tweet from at TheGeekishCast. And if you want to go on Instagram and look at pictures of my beer collection or my dogs, you can go to uh, at the Geekish Cast on there as well. Geekish Cast is a V as in Victor production and is part of the Astro Panda Productions Network. You can find us now on SoundCloud and on Blog Talk Radio. Our theme music is taken from the song Out to Get Mine by Reign of Zeus. Check them out at reignofzeus.net. <laughs>